Hello everyone, welcome to Mastermind.fm. This is Jean Galea from WP Mayor and WP RSS Aggregator, and with me I have James Laws from WP Ninjas. Joining us today, we also have Nirav Mehta from Butler.com. Um, Nirav is the first Indian we have on the show, and we'll be talking about his experience in Indian startups and other WordPress work, as well as Butler.com, which is the, the tool he's probably best known for within the WordPress space. So we'll be talking about that and keep in mind that this episode was recorded a few months back. So because of technical issues we had, we couldn't release it before, but now we are all sorted and I'm happy to give you this interview. So go ahead, enjoy it and visit patler.com, which is the main business right now of Nirav. So I launched India's first electronic magazine back in 1999, then founded a web agency that saw great ups and then finally went down in 2009, which is when I started selling you know, extensions for a project management solution that we were using. And we grew that business from uh, zero to six figures in two years. Around the same time in 2010, we got into WordPress and uh, WooCommerce in 2011. Some of our popular uh, WooCommerce plugins uh, under the brand store apps are like uh, Smart Coupons, Smart Offers, or Smart Manager. We are also behind WordPress plugins iScrum, Rainmaker, and Email Subscribers. These are useful for uh, lead capture, opt-ins, calls to action, and uh, newsletters. Numbers and data fascinate me, and uh, I've been doing business for like all these years, so I always had that itch of tracking my own growth of business. So, so we built Butler, which is uh, a business analytics insight and growth platform. Well, so I'm a published author of three books. I've spoken at various events, including WordCamps and uh, you know, received good recognition there. What drives me is um, freedom and power for humanity. And I believe uh, entrepreneurs, all of us, you know, people who are creating stuff, uh, are driving change. And uh, so I focused on building solutions that help people grow their business. But, you know, numbers and all the claim to fame apart, what's really important for me is contributing. So uh, thank you for the opportunity to be on the podcast today. And um, I'm happy to uh, answer questions. So give us a better idea of uh, like where you're based i know you're based in mumbai right oh yes and about your team office like how you work right so i live in mumbai the office is uh, pretty close always keep my office close to where i live we are a team of about uh, 18 people now and uh, it's uh, a group of uh, developers and you know we have marketing and uh, the developers are mixed into wordpress and non wordpress businesses because we have uh, three different businesses so that's the team composition, and uh, we love challenges, and we keep uh, building you know, new things that help people grow. So that's what we're about. Let's jump in right right into the analytics part. You mentioned that you love numbers, and we actually spoke about metrics a while ago on Slack chat. So I'd like to go like share a bit of that conversation with our audience. So basically, I was looking for people who have experience and metrics and KPIs for their own businesses. And turns out that you do have a lot of experience with that specifically because you also built uh, Putler and use it for your own business. So if you could like tell us what KPIs and metrics 
uh, specifically WordPress businesses should be looking at. And then we can talk even about Butler and how that is applicable to a wider audience, not only for those who are working with WordPress. Right. So back in the days when, uh, you know, we basically had a bust of the web agency and I started the products business, I always had that itch. How much money did I make while I was sleeping? Mm-hmm. And so what I would do is every day morning, I would get up and log into PayPal and check my balance. And uh, every day... Sounds would, familiar. Right? So, <laughs> and I would do that like 12 times a day, getting excited that, oh, I'm making money while I'm sleeping. And so while I was doing that, I thought, uh, you know, everybody would have the same itch. Everybody would want to know their numbers, which is, uh, you know, when we built a small script that would automatically check the revenue from PayPal. So in terms of matrix, that revenue is uh, the primary thing that I track, but there are probably 50 other matrix that we track as well or more. So month-on-month revenue compared to the targets that we have is our primary measurement. Uh, and we do that at a business unit level. So we would track it for each of our WordPress businesses and the non-WordPress businesses as well. We also track product level sales, refunds, We track uh, customer level stats, like what is the lifetime value of a customer, the average revenue per user. Uh, We've now switched to automatic renewals, but uh, we also track renewals. And of course, all the standard uh, Google Analytics stuff, like website visits, engagement rates, which is basically the time spent on the page or the bounce rate. We actually track a lot of things, you know. So if you wanted to get into the details, uh, We actually track our support tickets, the time that people spend on that, also a little bit of development. And we have, uh, we have a measure of velocity, how well we are doing. And this comes from our project management days and we're still sticking with that. The SysOp teams would actually check anything from uh, server availability to uh, slow queries on MySQL. We recently built something called as the RFM analysis, which is the recency, frequency, and uh, monetary value analysis for customers. For emails, we would track uh, the open rates, the click rates, which subjects convert better. We would split test a lot of things on the website and elsewhere. For social media, we track all the stats there. There are actually tons of metrics that we track. And the main reason, you know, I believe we do that is because I think uh, what we generally call intuition is largely a flavor of hope. And most of us have a sense of the numbers that we do, but uh, we don't really track the actual numbers and probably we don't track them as closely as we do. Being data-driven, being driven by these numbers has uh, given us a lot of insights into the business, what's working, what's not working. and you know, it has actually enabled us to take some big decisions in this. So I think everybody should be tracking numbers, whether you're doing WordPress or not. All right. So starting from simple, simple things like monthly revenues to any detail that you can go to. That's awesome to hear so many metrics that you have in place. Now, if we want to like play this game where we have something practical for those of us who are listening, like the solo owners, you know, who are, have this plugin business going on or theme business, What's practical if we had to choose like the four most important metrics? And uh, after choosing those metrics, like you said that you were checking PayPal 12 times a day. I used to do that as well. And it actually turns out to be a problem because you're wasting time doing that. 
So my question would be, how often do you check these metrics and how how do you check them? Like, do you have like a screen in your office displaying the metrics? And thirdly, who has access to the metrics? So do you share it with the whole team? Is it just the management or project management who has access? How do you figure all these out? Great. So, you know, you actually put three questions in one. Yeah. So let me answer. <laughs> so the first was, what would be uh, some core metric that uh, a solopreneur would track? I think at the bare minimum, one should track the monthly revenue, which we anyways do, I believe. But I'm surprised that some people don't, actually. So that is one of your yardsticks. But I think people should go beyond that. And if you are a WordPress uh, plugin or theme developer, you can also put your active installs and number of downloads on WordPress, put them in perspective with your actual purchases. So you know the conversion rate. That is something that should track at the bare minimum. But there are also a lot of other things. So if you're selling on your site, then you can see the conversion on your own funnel, you know, whatever shopping cart system that you're using. So if you wanted me to give just one or two metrics that people can track, it's going to be the conversion that they have on their free plugins or themes. Mm -hmm. The reason why I say that is because most people would be surprised at the low conversion rate that they have. And that will actually prompt us to dig deeper and look at a lot of other metrics. If you are selling multiple products or multiple themes, what I would recommend doing is uh, you know, do a product-wise revenue split and see if you fit the 80-20 principle. So what I saw was that 80% of our revenues were coming from just two products. And uh, that clearly meant that those were market leaders and we needed to focus more on that. So we focused more on that. And eventually what we also did was we raised prices on them. And this is all based on data, right? And that lifted the sales, that lifted our revenues. And when we did something like this, you know, product level revenue analysis, we could also understand the price points at which people were buying stuff. So we knew that if we sold something for $49, these many people would buy it. 99, this is what people would buy. 149, this is what people would buy for the perceived value that they had. So when we launched new products, we had much better insight into pricing also. So that's basically like it. So if you have single product, track conversion and the overall revenue, when you have multiple products, definitely go into product-wise revenue and, and then start digging into it, like you know what insights uh, you can have. Now, about the display of these stats and how often do we track it? So we've, we've toyed with that idea of a fancy uh, flat screen in the office which would track uh, all these stats and all, you know, something that you probably keep hearing all other startups do. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. I think it's probably an overkill, unnecessary for most people of our size. So what we do is, uh, you know, now we have Butler. So I track all my matrix primarily in Butler. And uh, it's scratch my own each kind of a solution, right? So, you know, I know what numbers I want to track. I know that all the other analytic solutions actually are pretty superficial. So we designed Butler so that it will track the key matrix that I want to track and show them to me on the first screen itself. So what I would normally do is I would check Patla maybe once or twice in a day just to get a sense of uh, where we are. Patla actually has a lot of other features as well. So I may go into Patla not just for 
stat checking, but let's say it also allows me to do refunds quickly. So I probably do that sometimes. If I want to look up uh, a profile, a customer profile, I would probably go into Butler. So Butler does more things, so I probably visit Butler more often, but maybe once a day is going to be okay for most people. Mm. The next was about who has access to the matrix. So the internal business owners of each of the business units uh, would have access to uh, all the statistics for each business unit. So, for example, the people who would lead store apps, they would actually have access to their all the stats of store apps. So they would have access to Google Analytics, they would have access to WooCommerce stats, uh, etc. And they would actually be, in our internal meetings, we would actually talk numbers. You know, we would, uh, I mean, I would ask people what's the uh, conversion rate on XYZ, and people have started tracking all those numbers themselves and come up with suggestions that, okay, let's do this kind of offer, offer now. You know, this offer worked well last time. What is it that we can do again? So I think, you know, we've, we've slowly started developing that culture of numbers and being data-driven rather than going by your hunch. And uh, that has actually helped us a lot. I like the fact that you integrated, like, your business control panel into Butler. And it makes it easy to check the stats because you're always seeing them in front of you during the day. It's not something that you have to log in separately to check the stats. Right. So that kind of solves that part as well. And I believe Butler is available to any kind of business, right? Not only WordPress businesses. Oh, yes, sure. So we, we actually began Butler for anybody who has PayPal. Today, Butler integrates with uh, most popular payment vehicles. It integrates with uh, WooCommerce, integrates with EDD, but also integrates with Shopify, eBay, BigCommerce, uh, and a whole lot of other things. So Butler is for everybody. Anybody who's serious about uh, tracking and growing their business, Butler started as what they call in the analytics terminology a descriptive uh, tool, which is basically that will describe your current numbers. But uh, we are also taking it into a prescriptive and predictive uh, uh, direction, which is basically that it starts suggesting you what you can do with your business to grow it. Mm. Uh, or or give you additional insights much beyond what typical analysts would tell you. For example, Butler can tell you what your customers, where they are, obviously, but also what industry they are in, what other websites do they have, what's their Alexa ranking, for example. So we actually do a lot of profile enrichment in Butler to do all that. Yeah, so actually there are tons of things in Butler, right? So, I mean, we have the RFM analysis. We have, uh, we have something like, uh, which is your best product? but we don't determine it just by the sale. We actually say, which is your first purchased product that gives you the maximum lifetime revenue from a customer? So, you know, things like that. It, there, are, there are a ton of things in Butler. Butler also integrates. We don't really have to like keep on jumping between two screens. We've picked up some of the important KPIs from Google Analytics and then integrated that back into Butler. So it's like you get a nice little, you know, one app where you can track most of the numbers. And do some day-to-day management activities also, like refunding the, uh, refunding the purchase or managing the subscription, looking up a customer quickly, stuff like that. I had a question, just uh, looking over Butler a little bit, looking over the pricing. When your pricing is broke down, you have a Plus Pro and a Max kind of uh, setup, and you looks like it's uh, up to a certain amount of transactions per month, and the uh, number of accounts that you integrate with uh, are the big uh, key kind of metrics as to 
what each plan offers, right, is the upgrade process. When you're talking about, like it says, all right, so consolidate up to three accounts, up to seven accounts, or up to 25 accounts. I'm assuming this is so many PayPal accounts, Stripe accounts, whatever, integrating cool. all of those types of accounts. Cool. So each each uh, system that you integrate with would be considered an account. So that's okay. a Google Analytics. Is it built on WordPress or was it something totally separate from WordPress? It is not WordPress. We couldn't build it on top of WordPress. It's a mix of technologies. So the SaaS version is actually built on Node.js. And we also have a whole lot of technologies uh, in the mix. We use MySQL, we use Mongo, we use Go. Because the volumes are pretty high, uh, for example, we have probably about uh, you know, $150 million worth of uh, transactions being tracked on Butler in about three to four months of period, it's already got like, you know, more than two million contacts and whatever, four or five million transactions. So it's it's large data that we're looking at. So uh, it's a custom stack, but it's a SaaS. Uh, you can use it from any browser, any mobile. Yeah. So I'm curious, you earlier mentioned that you're into life hacking as well. Was Did I hear you correctly? Yes, yeah, so hacking anything, right? So, I mean, I started okay. hacking radio <laughs> and electronics and uh, it's about everything now do you like apply this data-driven uh, methodology to your own life personally or is it just business it's everywhere right you can't separate uh, once you're into it once you've seen the results of uh, being data-driven you know you can't really go away from it it's like you know the journey probably started uh, when i read this book called uh, economics by even yeah, great book. Yeah, it's great. And I was actually amazed at the analysis that uh, how numbers can reveal things which are like not common sense. And uh, I, I was also reading behavior economics and uh, stuff like that. And then, you know, the numbers basically just gelled too well with it because I was looking at my business, looking at the numbers and also studying uh, behavior economics and stuff like that. So then uh, things that I started doing, for example, uh, exercise. So, you know, I, I was uh, running and you know, I do marathons. But what I've also started doing is then I got into seven-minute exercise routine or, or the uh, high-intensity interval trainings for uh, Tabata. So, you know, stuff like that, which is basically, you know, more bang for the buck. So you have higher return on your investment. Yep. And, and I kept doing that for a lot of things, you know, because... Uh, your more than money, I think your time and your attention are the most precious resources that you have. So I'm pretty uh, careful with that. So I, I try to use data as much as possible in, in life as well. Awesome. So I'm also into this. In fact, I just got the Fitbit Alta <laughs> HR, which I'll be using to track my sleep, actually. <laughs> uh, just to feedback on that. So I started tracking my sleep. And I was pretty active initially, and then I left it because then you know the data, the value addition is is wasn't that that much after a period of time. Uh, but I still look up my sleep data, and uh, if I'm not particularly like feeling fresh or feeling vital, energetic, then I know that you know look at the data, and I know okay, I didn't sleep enough. Uh, that's what's causing me. But yeah, so you know, great, welcome. <laughs> So I'd like to move the conversation now towards like, I'd love to know more about the scene in India. So uh -huh. where are there any specific places where there are more like 
WordPress businesses or like even in terms of WordCamps? How does it look? So the Indian WordPress scene is looking fabulous right now. Three years ago, four years ago, we probably had just one or two WordCamps. Uh, now this year, I think we'll have about 12, which is which is like... 12, eight. that's a lot, yeah. Yeah, probably that is the next number outside the United States. Yeah. So we have WordCamps happening all over the country now. Of course, uh, WordCamp Mumbai is the largest, but we also have Pune, uh, you know, uh, this year, like the last year, we also had a couple of other two second-tier cities which had uh, WordCamps, Bhopal, Nashik, and now... In the next, uh, till October, we already have like three more cities, Kanpur, Nagpur, and Amdala. And uh, these are not the metros. These are second level, uh, second tier cities. So there is tremendous growth in terms of the visibility of WordCamp. The kind of people who attend WordCamp, that quality has been improving year after year. In terms of uh, people running WordPress businesses, there are tons of them. And uh, they are spread across the nation you know so most people would know about Articamp, which is uh, you know what mm-hmm. VIP services company they are one of the most famous but there is also wisdom labs which is about uh, you know 45 minutes from where i am in the same city mm-hmm. you know they are woocommerce gold partners as well and i'm sure there are probably hundreds of other service businesses that are doing wordpress in India. Product businesses are not that uh, visible or not that frequent, but we have probably more than a dozen that I can, uh, you know, count on things people are doing. Some real awesome stuff, right? They are not like like just small things, but they are like super successful WordPress uh, businesses. If I was to name a few, uh, in Teams we have Templatic.com, in Teams My Team Shop. And, and plenty of other theme shops in India. People also who sell on theme forest. Mm-hmm. Plugins, we obviously have us. We have uh, IT software, which is also into WooCommerce. And uh, uh, he's actually my brother. And he's also just like you know, half an hour from where I am. But we also have... There's Infinite WP as well. WP, which is down south in Chennai. And there are plenty of, uh, plenty of other people. There is Karthik uh, uh, and Cyberchimps in Pune. Which is where Articamp is also, and they are behind you know, Cyberchains, WPAK. They have a, a whole lot of properties around WordPress as well. So every WordCamp that I go, I meet these new people who are running businesses around WordPress, and it's just so fascinating. You know, it's it's uh, it's fascinating to hear their stories, and and it actually I feel really proud of WordPress because I see it's providing a platform to uh, enterprising minds in India and across the world, because, uh, you know, if you have a little bit of skill, you have uh, some talent, you can actually really build a sustainable business around WordPress. And, you know, that's that's a great opportunity for uh, people in India and everywhere else. Yeah. And so are WordCamps conducted in English typically? Oh, yes. So most of uh, the content, most of the presentations are in English, but we also have uh, local language uh, presentations uh, at times. Most people are familiar with English. Uh, so English is the most preferred language because we also have uh, a huge cultural mix in India. So even if uh, I'm in Mumbai, probably there are people who understand eight different languages in the auditorium. So wow. 
Yeah. <laughs> have a huge uh, mix of cultures. So English is the preferred language, but we also have, let's say, Hindi or uh, depending on the location, we may have some other languages. And which conferences outside of India have you been to yourself? So Pressnomics, of course, mm -hmm. right? Pressnomics. Uh, I've been to some other non-WordPress conferences, uh, business conferences or, or marketing events. Even tech events like uh, Sibbert in Germany. So I've been, I've been through a few and uh, I've been doing this for 18 years, right? So I have had the privilege to do quite a <laughs> What's the biggest difference that you see though be between like the, maybe the culture in India versus the US or Europe, even in terms of conferences, but not only, even the way people work or think? So there are quite a few differences and there are not both ways. In terms of the people that you would meet and the friendliness and the openness that you would have, I think that's common in WordPress ecosystems. I've yeah. seen that everywhere, whether that's uh, an Indian WordCamp or, or something outside. In terms of the work that people do, if I go to Pressnomics or let's say WordCamp uh, San Francisco or you know, back in the day, or some other event, I see more people doing plugins, more people doing product work than in India. But I've started seeing more and more people doing product work in India as well. Like in WordCamp Mumbai, you know, this time we had a lot of corporate representation, so to say. So people actually sent majority of their teams to WordCamp. So we had teams coming in from like Ahmedabad, Surat, which are like neighboring uh, towns, cities. People from all over actually came and they didn't come like one or two. They actually came in dozens as well. And uh, that's great, right? Because then all these guys get to meet other people doing WordPress. And, you know, putting a face on a name is, uh, is, is invaluable. So when you've seen somebody only as a gravitar and when you actually go meet them in person, I think that physical meeting is invaluable. And that just deepens the connection. That just deepens the bond that you guys have. So can I just ask you, because I've traveled quite a bit, and I think this is one of the most enriching experiences to go to different cultures, stay for a while. And I've lived for a while in Asia as well. So I just took a lot of knowledge. And like even personally, I've felt like I've grown a lot. And so my question is, what did you really learn from, say, the Europeans or the Americans by visiting the conferences and like the cities? I guess you did take something back, like something in particular. So that's kind of my question. Yeah, there is a lot to learn. And uh, I actually had a best-selling WordCamp session on that. So in one of the WordCamps, I talked about why we Indian developers fail. And uh, that's uh, what Chris Lama says, you know, the defaults are different between India and elsewhere. And uh, so, you know, because of the way we have grown, because of the way uh, our culture is, there are a lot of these mental defaults that uh, we have in India, which are different from uh, Western countries or, or developed countries. So, we have grown in scarcity, for example, in India. Uh, there is a lot of population, sparse resources, competition is tough, and you know that you know you got to get ahead of the game. You know, people in India typically would have a scarcity mindset. 
But what I've seen elsewhere in developed countries is is an abundance mindset. You know, that there is plenty for everybody, and uh, that is something great that we can learn. You know, because there is actually plenty for everybody, and there are a lot of other defaults like that for India. One of the popular uh, stereotype for Indian developers is the nodding Indian developer that <laughs> that they will never say no. I was uh, just going to ask are. you about that. <laughs> <laughs> there are two things to it, right? So one is that uh, if you ask an Indian developer for anything, they will never say no. And uh, the way they would nod their head, you would actually not be able to make out whether they're saying yes or no. <laughs> But they would say yes. And uh, what they actually mean at times is that, oh, well, I'll try. It's not a yes. It actually means that oh, I will try and I will see if it works. It works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So there are lots of these cultural nuances, right? Which I think you know we are learning and we are adapting. And this is something that I've seen and observed going to other uh, other countries or you know talking to other people. That uh, these are the things that we need to break out of as as uh, Indian developers, you know, for our own growth. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I probably have uh, some slides of uh, that session up as well, and yeah, it sounds very interesting. Go up on WordPress.tv as well. Yeah, we'll link it up in the show notes. And so, what can we, as Europeans or Americans or the Western society or developers, learn from the Indian side? No? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there is plenty to learn from uh, from Indians as well. I think uh, we. By default, I think you know most Indian developers who are serious about their career are very hardworking. They want to find one or the other solution for a problem, and many of them would not rest until they find a solution. I mean, I wouldn't say this is an Indian trait; it's common to anybody who's uh, who's driven, who's driven for success. But I've seen that in a lot of uh, Indians as well. You know, they will find one or the other solution for a problem. It may not be the most elegant, but it will have some solution. In India, we call that the jugad, and I have my qualms against that as well because I think jugad or makeshift solutions will carry the day; they won't carry your life. So I think you know, we also need to be focused on excellence. Uh, but this make fix, uh, quick fix jugad solutions actually can do a lot of things, like just how we fixed our podcast today. Right? We had recording problems. Yeah. yeah, we figured out one solution. That's working. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to circle back to this uh, issue with like saying yes to everything, because I've had this problem like many times, and I've spoken to so many people who got really frustrated trying to hire Indian developers, specifically for this reason. Because sometimes, like you hire a developer, and you actually want them to say, "No, this isn't possible. Here's how we should do it instead." But it's very hard to get that out of the typical developer. So I was wondering if there's something we can do from our end to facilitate, make the developer more comfortable in saying no, or is it just something that never happens? <laughs> I would say it's it's very much possible because uh, I've shared uh, fabulous relationships with uh, our U.S. customers or Western customers when we were doing service work, and I think the trick is. First, to understand that the cultures are different. Yeah. Respect that you are hiring an Indian or or anybody else actually for that matter, not just because of their cost advantage, 
but also because of their skills. And understand that the cultures are different, the backgrounds are different. For example, the way you flip a switch in the United States is different from the way you flip a switch in India, right? The way you would travel is different from the way you would travel in India. So that whole thing is different. So once you are like, you know, uh, once you're okay with that difference, you can start understanding each other beyond the, uh, you know, what is said and what's heard. Uh, because, you know, that communication and relationship would establish much beyond what is said and what is heard, even because the language would differ, you know, the, the, uh, the way of having fun would be different, you know, uh, cracking jokes would be different. Or what's, uh, what can be offending uh, to an Indian, maybe non-offending to a US guy or, like, uh, or vice versa. So I think it's just like respecting each other's culture and understanding that uh, there is a difference. That's the first step. The next would be, uh, I think, something common that any remote work needs, whether that's Indian or not. But it's more like uh, being clear on what is required. Because uh, most Indians are excellent at following instructions uh, because we've, we've been trained to do that. The education system teaches us to like, really be good at following instructions. But that also limits our creative thinking at times. And uh, Indians also have this uh, inferiority complex that slightly I would say, or uh, they would not actually question the authority. So if you are an authority for them, they would most likely just try to do whatever you say to do. So even if they came up with an alternative suggestion, or even if they thought that what you said probably will take a lot more time and shouldn't be done, they probably wouldn't raise that. Uh, because they thought that you know better and, and you know what you want to get done and then that's why you said it. So uh, most Indians wouldn't confront it. So if you are in a relationship, in a development relationship or whatever, with an Indian, that's something that you can keep in mind and you can encourage open communication. You can actually proactively ask them for their suggestions and tell them that, okay, you know, um, I would actually like you to uh, pick holes in whatever I'm suggesting and come up with three alternatives. I mean, that's when they um, they start thinking about uh, alternatives and then even being comfortable that okay they can say no or suggest. Okay, very interesting. James, do you have anything from your end to add? I was just going to actually say I'm really enjoying Putler. I signed up for an account while I was listening to you guys talk <laughs> and uh, and integrated three of my uh, accounts with it just to see. And obviously, it's still updating a lot of my data, but it's a pretty slick little dashboard. You've done a good job. Thank you. Um, and and I say that as somebody who is I'm I'm pretty anal about statistics myself. I collect my own. I do a little bit of my own reporting. We actually did an episode a little while ago where I kind of talked through some of the ways I'm collecting data through easy digital downloads, pulling it to my own server, putting it in a way that I can actually use it and forecast off of it and stuff like that. So that being said, yours is nicer than what I have. Uh, what my, my, my homegrown built uh, analytics system that I've been building uh, for my own personal use that no one would ever see because it is, it is definitely, uh, yeah, not, not well put together. So anyway, just saying I plugged in some data, I'm looking at it, and uh, it's very slick. It's very nice. Thank you. We put six years behind that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so it should. It so what you're saying is it should be better than the one that I put two days into. Is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, it's also that, uh, and, and James, this is actually a common feedback that we receive from other customers. 
and like you are and like i am and like everybody else is you know first and foremost we don't like third party analytics uh, we want to build something of our own because we think that we know best what we want to try that's where i started partner because uh, i actually didn't find anything which would solve my problem i mean back in the days i tried everything that was there and any solution no solution to actually understand the difference between usb and inr come to think of so if i had usb uh, us dollars income and if my withdrawals were in indian rupees it would actually think that my withdrawals were my expenses i mean that's lame i mean none of the solutions even thought about that so right. so we actually built butler to solve all these problems that we had so it's like it's multi currency it's multi account it aggregates it deduces it does a lot of things and it's still growing but anybody who's got on to butler you know they've really been hooked it onto it so uh, we have like tremendous renewal rates and people are sticking with it for for years and on top of it we eat our own dog food so uh, I mean, I use Butler day in day out, but I also use all of our other products. So, for example, uh, we use ice cream for for lead gen for offerings. Uh, on our own sites, we use smart offers for running upsells and cross sells. Uh, we track everything down in Butler. So, you know, we are data driven, but we also use our own products to understand what's going uh, well, what's not working well, and then keep on tweaking. And all those benefits go back into the product as well. So that's how we do it. Yeah, no, it's 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 really nice. Like I said, I I don't know how long it takes for it to catch up with all of the data and stuff like that. So as I'm plugging it in, I'm watching as it's kind of going up and calculating and and running some numbers for me. So, and again, I don't know how far back you guys go as well as once you put in the data, how far back it's going to try to pull right. all that data together. Yeah, so uh, it's going to start pulling up to a recent month to begin with. So we will go reverse chronologically. So yep. that you start seeing some numbers, that's what you're doing, and it will pick up up to two years of your data by default. We can actually go long back, but by default, we will restrict it to two years for now. Yeah. No, it's it's nice, and you're you're actually calculating a lot of stuff that I I have built. Um, so it's actually kind of nice to be able to check my own numbers. <laughs> to see how bad I how bad I was estimating things. No, but it is. It's a it's a very nice tool. I especially actually one of my I think one of my favorite parts uh is your breakdown on products and fe- you know what's your fast what's your fastest moving product what what products are trending up which which products are falling behind things like that is one of my favorite actually I think just as I've just been clicking through looking through some of it. So right right right. We um you know because of uh Yeah, there are tons of stories to tell, right? So it's like I love to hack. I said, and um, so what we did for Patla was also actually built our own uh, avatar solution. So you know, when you go into Patla, you will see pictures uh, for people, and whoever we can get a profile picture, we do fetch a profile picture. But for others, we actually generate our own avatar, and uh, we could always use Gravatar, but then we wanted to build an avatar system not just for people. but also for products and businesses so go ahead and check out your products list because we don't um, currently pull in your product image from ebd or woocommerce you will actually see uh, product avatars that we generated i think like i still think that we keep on doing uh, exciting side projects that get rolled into the product and uh, makes it just a little more fun yeah you're doing a good job i like it sharp all right so uh... 
I guess we're nearing the end of the episode. Nerav, did you want to mention anything else or like talk about something else that you're passionate about before we close things off? You know, this year, something that I've taken up uh, is growing revenues 10 times. Mm-hmm. So I've been hearing about 10x for a while, you know, I've done a lot of studies on that. And uh, I actually, I think this can be useful for everyone who is listening to the podcast as well is when we actually start thinking about uh, doing 10x our revenue, it seems like a Herculean task. It seems like, how is that going to be possible? So uh, what I did was I actually broke it down into three different segments. I said, uh, what if we could triple our traffic first? So if we are getting whatever number, like, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 50,000, 100,000 visitors, can we triple that? Uh, And I, I... then listed down 12 different things that we can do to triple our traffic. And it's honestly, it's not that difficult to triple the traffic, right? You can do some good content marketing, you can do some good SEO, and you can do a whole lot of things to actually triple your traffic. And then when uh, I said, okay, what's next? So what if we could actually double the conversion rate? Okay, so for example, if you're, if you're doing whatever, like sub uh, 1% conversions, can we somehow go to 2%. And if you're doing 2%, can we go to 4%? And there are tricks to do that as well. Like, you know, make sure that we have a smooth checkout process, make sure that we have good copy, make sure that we have good graphics, and and a whole lot of other things that will improve your conversion. And then finally, I said, okay, what if we can 3x the ARPU, which is average revenue per user? And then number of ways to do that. So if you're not doing automatic renewal, you could do automatic renewals for your clients. That could essentially, you know, at least do one and a half times your revenue. Because even if you say that, okay, half, uh, 50% people will cancel the subscriptions, you still have the other 50% who are not renewing currently because it's manual. And once you go automatic, they will renew. And these are the stats that I'm seeing everybody else also uh, you know, uh, have similar results. So you can, you can go for automatic renewals. You can actually increase your price. You can upsell something which is higher price. You can have a bigger portfolio of products, but it is also possible to triple your ARPU. And if you put all these things together, you actually have 3x into 2x into 3x. That's 18x, not even 10x. I would do a 50% discounting on that, probably more. But if, if you actually start operating from thinking like that, you would definitely end up uh, anywhere above 3x. And 10x, if you actually did it really well, higher if you like really excel or if you were starting from a small base. So that's a project that I've uh, taken on for myself for the year. And uh, I would love for everybody else to try it. I mean, you know, once you break things down into smaller pieces, it does not sound that difficult at all. And uh, you can you can you know, then have different people work on different things. You can get help from experts and uh, nobody likes more money. But yeah. I find this one of the most engaging and rewarding aspects of being an entrepreneur, you know, like focusing on these numbers and trying to grow them. That's where you see that the business is something alive and it's constantly changing and you can drive it further and further. It's so rewarding. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can actually take it to any level that you want. Uh, Of course, there are challenges, you know, we've been to 18 years of ups and downs, but, um, it's just fulfilling at the end of the day. Awesome. I have just one last question for you. Uh, as a company, 
I guess you're the CEO, right, of the company? Um, yes, I'm the founder, owner, CEO, whatever you call it. How much of your time is programmed into spending on your business and how much is free time where you're exploring the different things that you could be doing next or how to improve things? This is something I've been thinking about and I've been reading about like theories that the CEO should have like 50% of his time free from any pre-planned tasks right. so that he can think about growing the business. Right. So the way I work is that uh, typically if I look at my timesheets or if I look at my, um, you know, what actually I end up doing, I would be spending anywhere north of 30% of my time on the future, mm-hmm. uh, which is what new things that we can try, what strategies that we can implement. And, and where is the next growth coming from? So that's at least 30%. And that is more in the times when we're actually doing a, a sprint for a product development. So when we're actually uh, doing a big release or something of that sort, I'm also involved in the strategy and the product roadmap. So then I spend a lot of time there. But there also, it's a lot about uh, future because you know, we're building products for the future. So... Um, a lot of my time is spent on thinking from the future. And then there is all these other uh, day-to-day activities, updates, stats, uh, meetings, sales. And the follow-up question is, how do you integrate your business life with your family life or outside of work? It's it's part of life. So just before uh, we got on the podcast, I put my two daughters to sleep. And... uh, uh, you know, I'm currently at home. It's it's night for me, and I think it's fun because I get a lot of freedom as an entrepreneur to do things that I love to do. So I can take vacations when and if I want to take. I can spend time with my daughters or my wife, with my family, whenever I want to do that. So there is a tremendous freedom here, and and it's all well integrated. You know, I'm, I'm blessed to have a family that is so supportive. From the beginning, from the days when I actually, you know, when I was 18 years old, started my first business, uh, they supported me throughout. And, uh, you know, we have uh, very strong family values. So I am a family person, you know, spend a lot of time with my family. And they've, they've supported business, basically. So it's, it's like uh, well integrated. I don't really see, at times I would definitely feel that I'm probably giving more time to work than family. But then I balance it at other times. Um, so when I'm actually with family, I'm with family. So my wife tells me a, a number of times that um, she appreciates that whenever we are on a vacation or we are together, I don't take business calls. I do not check my email. I do not do any of that. So when I'm with them, I'm 100% with them. When I'm not with them, she also complains that if you are in office, then you forget us. So that's how I'm, I am, you know. Whatever I'm doing, I'm 100% into that. So I'm in office, I'm not thinking about family. If I'm with family, I'm not thinking about office. Yeah, sounds good. Nirav, thank you so much for being with us. I really enjoyed these insights about how you work, the Indian culture, and obviously your fantastic products like Butler. So I'd recommend everyone to check out Butler if you haven't already checked it out. Like I said, I, I'd like to interview other guys from... Uh, India or Asia in general or anywhere outside Europe and US. I think one of the the real objectives of this podcast was to cover the whole world. You know, in terms of WordPress, we we still have these blind spots 
around the world where people are not getting enough exposure and one of my goals and even James for sure is our goal is to bring all these fantastic people and businesses to light so thank you for participating in this right and and that's really awesome because you know the whole uh, premise of mastermind or fm is is actually sharing and actually learning from each other yeah and uh, you know we've been in a mastermind for uh, indian workers businesses and that has tremendously helped us and and i'm sure you know the podcast and everything that you guys are doing is is going a long way in shaping lives of all the listeners so on behalf of uh, all the listeners actually i would love to thank john you and james for uh, putting this show together week after week uh, tirelessly you know bringing different people on the show uh, doing everything that it takes to put up this great show so uh, thanks a lot and uh, it was my uh, honor and privilege to be here and i would love to chat up with you again at uh, the next possible chance <laughs> Thanks you're welcome and just before you leave where can people find you and you know get in touch with you Um so quite a few things so we'll probably put up the business website links in the podcast link. uh so it's basically storeapps.org and that's the WooCommerce business iscrum.com that's the opt-in and the region business p u t l e r partner that's the energy business and mehtanirav.com which is m e h t a n i r a v.com that's my blog on twitter you can find me at nirav mehta or just google nirav mehta and you should probably find me <laughs> all right thank you very much thanks a lot guys have a great day all right so i hope you enjoyed this interview with nirav it was great having him with us uh, he's an awesome guy and again it was He was the first Indian to come on the show, so he's got that achievement unlocked. But we hope to have many more people from all around the world joining us in the coming months for more interviews. And in the meantime, you can always leave a question or a comment to podcast at mastermind.fm. You can reach out to me at Jangalea on Twitter and James at James Laws. And that's it. If you have any other, you know, praises or stuff that you want to tell us, you can also leave a comment on iTunes. And we also always appreciate five-star reviews. Thank you very much and see you in the next episode.